literally just a moment to ask God to prepare the soil of our hearts. God, we thank You as we come around Your Word that You can do the miracle of planting Your Word in our hearts. God, Your Word is powerful. It's living. So even as we open up our hearts and ask You to prepare us, God, You can plant a seed that can produce a harvest of life change, of salvation. God, You can save us. You can heal us. So we are asking You to do that. Um, we submit to you now. We want to do your will. We resist the devil. We thank you that he has to flee. Pray hedge of protection around us and our children. And we pray in this hedge of protection that you'd minister to us. You'd bring freedom and salvation into our life. If anyone is without hope, will you draw them unto yourself now? Knock on the door of their heart so they can open up that door and receive you as their Savior. In Jesus' name. Everyone believe it said? Amen. Awesome. You guys take your seats. Good morning to everyone. I trust that you are well. And um, as we do our last bit of our, our winter season, hey, uh, the, the, there's still a bit of cold, but the bite's not as bad. Hey? We, we really got that in May, June, and July. So we, uh, we are in a, a new season, almost a spring season. And even as a church, we see in that spring season um, more, many more people coming to the house. So, so we're blessed to see people coming in weekly. And so that's why our dream teamers are available. That's why we as a church, we always want to be ready to host people, to help them get connected. And then we want to encourage our dream teamers to get onto team. Because the, the speed at which we move is dependent on, on the people who make themselves available um, to God in time, talent, and treasure. And, and, and so even as we say, God, we're available, um, God can actually go, hey, that church is ready for more. And I also want to encourage you to pray for the churches in our community to get stronger and healthier. Can you guys trust for that, for their leadership, for, for their team? So across the board, all the communities we're involved in, we pray for all the churches. Because you must understand that God's kingdom is going to move forward as all the churches get healthy in South Africa. So don't ever. So you see a church growing, celebrate it. If you, you're a person who's planted a church, celebrate that they planted, that they're serving. And what we'll see in South Africa is a momentum in the church. So can you trust with us for that? And um, so um, you see Craig Johnson's coming in the 3rd of September. Craig Johnson actually is coming out to ARC conference. And we are part of ARC. It's, an, it's a non-denominational movement. All churches from all denominations, you'll be blown away who comes. And they feel comfortable. It's a space where, where you don't have to make a commitment to denomination. It's just a relationship um, space where we empower each other. And we cheer each other on. And he's flying out. And, and he actually started a thing called the Champion Center. And he helped us set it up in Zambia, also in South Africa. And so, so I encourage you to come out, double dip. Remember, people who go to church twice on a Sunday have a better chance to get into heaven. I don't know if you guys know that. We can't verify that. But imagine you get to heaven and they ask you if you went twice on a Sunday. You want to say yes. So you don't mess with those kinds of things. And so we encourage you on that Sunday to make it a special Sunday to you know, come to church at Malpus. Why don't you come to, on Sunday night? It's, a, it's, a, it's an environment that allows all our locations to come together. But Craig's ministry is going to be powerful because he's personally seen God break through powerfully for his family. His testimony is amazing and he's a very humble man. So, so I encourage you to, to come out. And then just on Rise Camp, we've got grade um, four to six uh, Rise Camp. In October, and then the, the few days later, the same week, we've got grade 7 to 12. And my, my girls are going on rise camp, so they're pretty excited. Um, and, and what happens when your child goes for two, 
to three days in a camp, and they, they have fun together, and they worship um, God. Uh, what happens is it, there's a building in the momentum, and there's a separating and a focus on God, and they have this moment where God can speak to them about their future, about their identity, why he made them. And so we always encourage you to invest in your child's destiny by positioning them to hear from God, because your faith is your faith, and, and, and you're trusting now that God, it would become their faith. And a personal encounter positions them to respond to the call that God has in their life. And that's why Rice Camps Camp is there. It's an awesome opportunity to position your child to hear from God. So don't miss out on that. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to the SOS Camp. Anyone? I went to SOS Camp when I was in Standard 2, Grade like I couldn't really like do the master. So be uh, grade five. I thought it was grade four. Anyway, anyway, let's not get into an argument about it. But everyone remember SOS camp. It's a phenomenal camp. They've re they've they've taken care of it for years. We've used it, and the camp's looking incredible. And so I promise you, it's gonna. I've got such good, like amazing memories of being on that site. So I've no doubt it's going to be an incredible time for young people and for parents who want to serve. Uh, why don't you sign up? It's going to be an amazing time. So we're doing a series, Build to Last. And we've been saying, you know, you can build with sand, you can shape sand, but rock will shape you. And we live in a world that wants to shape um, its schedule and, and its wise. You need to be a steward of your schedule. Uh, but the key thing in life is to see the principles of God that shape your life. And of course, the first thing we said, we need to let God shape our identity. Because he made us, and we're living in a world that's going through an identity crisis, and the way you deal with it is you go to the one who created you, and, and you see how he created you and what he created you for, and you actually find great freedom because you're living for an audience of one. Uh, when you are not clear about who made you, you, you're always pleasing people, but, but the people who are truly free are living for an audience of one, and they really enjoy life, and they actually are very generous people. The next thing we actually spoke about is generosity, that, that, that you need to build your finances. You need to build them on God because we see there's over 200 scriptures about faith and love, but 2,000 about, about finances. And why? Well, the, only, the Bible says you'll either serve God or money. <laughs> so there's this battleground because it's, because scripture also says where your treasure is, your heart will be. And, and the key thing for us is to understand that, that we are stewards of all that God gives us and everything belongs to God. And even as we are stewards of that, one day God's going to come back and see how we've used our resources to further his kingdom because we know what's valuable in the kingdom. It's what he paid the highest price for. What did, God pay, what did Jesus pay the highest price for? People. God sent his son. So he shows us that he values people the most and that the resources he gives us, they are there to be stewarded to further his kingdom and to see people saved. And one day we'll go to heaven and God will say, what did you do with what I gave you? And the parable of the talent shows us that, that the owner gives out and then he rewards those who brought increase. And he says, and this is what the kingdom of God is like. And so the kingdom of God is about the owner giving us resource and we steward the resource to build his kingdom. Today, I want to speak about building your marriage on the rock. Next week, we're going to be speaking about building your family on the rock, and Graham's going to be speaking into that. Um, and I want to encourage, if you're single, if you not get married, this is going to help you. Okay, so lean in. And 
And for, for all the people who are married, we're going, yes, lean in, because if we heard wisdom from, the, uh, from God around uh, marriage, before we got married, we would have been way better prepared for it. And I can see all the guys with the blue eyes in that. You guys are no, joking. But yeah, no, no, it's not happening out there. But, but marriage is God's idea, and He purposed it for good. Okay, marriage is God's idea, and He purposed it for good. It's the most intimate relationship you're going to have with another person, and it's powerful because it's spiritual and a physical union where you become one. Genesis 2 verse 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. They shall become one flesh. Of course, we see that they are moving out of a season of being under their parents' covering into a season of starting a new family. It doesn't mean your parents are less important. It just means that this is now your focus. You are now one with this person, and this is what God's going to ask you about. Of course, as you join together and become one, a, a simple picture would be like super gluing two pieces of paper together. If I super glued two pieces of paper together and left it for 30 minutes, and we know it can work even quicker than that, and I try to take the two pieces of paper apart, uh, the only way to get it apart would be to tear it. Agree? Uh, if I tore it apart, would those pieces of paper be the same? So, of course, they are better together. And we see a scripture that's used at weddings. It says, now, therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. So the fact is that you never want to pull apart what God has joined together. And everyone believe it said, amen. You never want to pull apart because there's so much destruction and, and, and there's so much hurt. But what you also don't want to do is try to put together what God has not tried to put together. And, and a lot of us are living in a world where we go, well, I'm going to make this work and you're going to force it together, but it's so unwise. Yes, don't pull apart what God's brought together, but don't try to put together what God's not put together. And we see in the Bible, there are reasons why some things shouldn't be put together. And so we need to make wise choices. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 14, and this is on the front end for all our single people. Maybe you're, you're dating, but it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Of course, somebody who's not in relation with God, and God's not a priority to them. God's not first on their list. Um, you can't expect to, to go and fulfill the purpose God has for you if God's first on your list and they're not first on the other person's list. Um, the, the question is, how important is God to you? Is He first in your life? Has He got the throne of your heart? And so God's saying, it's so unwise, and other versions of the Bible say, it says you're going to war with your relationship with God. Whenever you connect with somebody who's not in relation with God, and the Scripture also teaches us that, that you can try to missionary date. The rule is you're going out there to reach people who are not yet in relation with God. You're going to date them all the way into relation with God. And, the, and you know, you hear testimonies of people who, who've done that, but most of the time, there's a pulling down. Even if you have done it, you haven't realized this, but you have lowered the level of your relationship with God. You've, you've drawn a bit away from God to draw close to them. And even if they've come into relationship with God, trust, you need to trust that they also get on fire and put in first. But normally you'll find the person who's 
sort of walked away from God to go reach out to that person, they actually find it hard to come back to that place of fire because they almost walked away from a place of passion for God. But, but Scripture shows us that we, we can't now try to put that together. That would be unwise, and, and, and we see there's a warning. Of course, Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So, so there, there's a pattern out there that, that, that how you should meet someone. But God's got a pattern for you. He says that you need to be equally yoked. And, and the world says, find the right person, fall in love, fix all your hopes and dreams on them. If failure occurs, repeat steps one, two, and three. I don't think, do we have that up? No? Here's God's way. Become the right person. Walk in love. Fix all your hopes and dreams on God. If failure occurs, repeat one, two, and three. And really, that's the wise thing for us to do, is to follow God's pattern. Not find the right person, fall in love, fix all your hopes and dreams on them. If failure occurs, try it again. No, no. Become the right person. Walk in love. Fix all your hopes and dreams on God. Of course, there's this story Andy Stanley tells about a girl that goes out and, and she's never been, she's walked away from God years back and she goes out to this party and she hangs out with friends and she meets this, the guy of her dreams. He's, he loves God. He's passionate. He's strong. He's confident. He's a leader. And, and, and he's going somewhere. And she comes home. She tells mom, I met the man I want to marry. And she tells her mom all about this man. And her mom, in a loving way still said, yeah, but are you sure you're the person he's looking for? And what she was trying to say to him is a lot of us are living trying to meet the right person instead of become the right person. But here's the problem. If you're not becoming the right person, when you do meet the right person, you might not be ready. And so for us as Christians, before we get married, and, and, and we have to understand that God's going to give you purpose. You got, as as uh, men and women got married, when, in, the, in the Bible, the first couple, we see that God gave them purpose. They oversaw the garden, the, the animals. Of course, it says bring increase. And, and God had purpose for them. And so we see marriage leads to purpose. Here's the rule. Live on purpose now so that when you get married, you can carry on living out your purpose. But to think that somehow the marriage switch is going to release purpose in your life, you're fooling yourself. Why would you build with sand and then think your marriage is going to be built on a rock? You need to build on a rock right now. You need to build on God's purposes. You need to put Him first. You need to fall in love with God. Those are rock principles. And what you'll do is set yourself up to build your marriage on a rock. Jesus, of course, um, is, is saying these are the foundations. You know what I mean? That, that we should build on. Fall in love with Him. John 7 verse 37 says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within them. So, so Jesus invites you to come to Him and, and to, if you're thirsty, to come and drink and, and not only be fulfilled by Him, but life will flow out of you. Jesus also declared, uh, I'm the bread of life. 
He who comes to me will never be go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. That sounds like somebody who's fulfilled. That sounds like somebody who's satisfied. Jesus actually invites you on the front end to be satisfied by Him. If you're single, you're young, if you're dating, and if you're married. This is still the key. If you're going to build your marriage on a rock, you need to be satisfied by Jesus. Who meets your greatest needs? Question. Who meets your greatest needs? Uh, we all have different needs, but I'm not talking about your physical needs. I'm actually talking about your deepest needs, the needs that you have on the inside. They say these are the four great human needs, our, our soul food needs, acceptance, knowing you are loved and needed by others. Number two, identity, knowing you're individually significant and special. Security, knowing you're well protected and provided for. Purpose, knowing you have a reason for living. Of course, for us as Christians, we know the the purpose means knowing that God has a special plan for your life. So we all have these internal needs. You might have different physical needs. I just need to go get refreshed. I do this sport. I fill my tank. And yes, you got those needs, but, but you all have a need deep down. And what you and I do, if these needs aren't fulfilled by Jesus, we try to ask somebody else to fulfill those needs. And so I don't know who's on your list. Uh, you might just ask yourself to fulfill those internal needs. You might be asking your spouse, friends, children. Uh, some people actually have children in a, in a healthy space to fulfill those needs. We always joke is you, they call out, mommy, mommy. And then when they're teenagers, they say, don't tell people we know each other. Drop me about three Ks from school. Can we, not, can we change surnames? And all of a sudden, those needs you were feeling were fulfilled are gone. Some people are trusting that their work fulfills those needs. they got purpose. Some people are asking their church or their pastors. Some people are asking their parents. Some of you are asking God. Some are asking money and material to, to, to fulfill these soul food needs. And, and, and some people have got a combination of things. But who meets your deepest need? When you are feeling empty, who do you go to first? Who, who do you maybe have and who are you frustrated with first? If it's not God, I'm so angry with you. You know how you've been neglecting me. I'm not saying we don't neglect each other at points, but sometimes we don't see it that we actually are asking our spouse to do what only God can do. You will always be frustrated with your spouse if you ask them to be your God. Because we are frail, we are weak. And even the most spiritual spouse will end up not being able to fulfill those internal needs. You're always setting your marriage up for pain, for anger, resentment, hurt. So we need to build on a rock. Of course, some of you guys know the answer. Who do you go for for these needs? Well, seek first God. Seek first His kingdom. And all these things will be added. We see that Jesus says, if you come to me, I will fill you. You you have rivers of living water flowing out of you. I'm the bread of life. And, And Jesus actually invites you to be fulfilled 
in Him. And He's actually created a Jesus-sized hole in your life that people can't be placed in. And you can try to place people in that. You can try to place your career. You can try to place um, um, having children in that. But their shape um, is different to your Jesus-shaped hole. And by pushing it in, it actually it sometimes pierces you. It creates maybe a, a hole and a leak. And so, so you, you, you're filling up with that, that relationship or that thing, and then you're always running dry. Well, you've put something inside of yourself that isn't shaped properly to fulfill you. You've got a Jesus-shaped hole in your life that only Jesus can fulfill. And he says he wants to. Jesus is not going to reveal this to us and to, to not actually bless us. Anyone ever felt, had a moment where you've, you've booked something or gone somewhere or opened a bag or bought something and you just felt unfulfilled? Or maybe you feel underwhelmed or overwhelmed because it's not the right thing. Anyone? I remember um, us booking a trip pre-COVID for all the staff to go to a conference. And we drove up to George, and, and it was quite funny. Uh, we, had, we had a budget for, for two, the amount of people. We had to hire two houses. And Leanne said, I found a house. And Chris Berry, our executive pastor, um, said, I've also found a house. And Chris was, this house that I found is a lot better than the house that you found, Leanne. It was quite funny on staff. Leanne was like, no way. I found. So we booked the houses. The funniest thing is when they got there, we got there at night, and they had their kids with them, and it was a big group. They found out that they were on the other side of the river, and they had to jump into a boat and row to their accommodation. Once they got there, they realized that um, there was water that you had to put a fire on to get it heated. There were spiders everywhere. The photos looked incredible, but it was underwhelming. Leanne did win the competition. We had incredible accommodation. I felt so bad. We never sent them any photos because it was just so good. And we just got photos from them, like around a fireplace, having the best. The, the next morning, they rode over the river to go to conference. I was like, we are living in like, you know, in like it was the funniest thing. It was, it was like so, like, they, they, like the, we had to actually end up phoning the place, and they gave us our money back for the next few nights. We had to actually book other accommodation for them. Uh, but Chris was like, no, I want to stay. This is amazing. Anyway, um, so he was a stubborn Englishman. But um, I remember going, we just got married, and Leanne and I actually got offered to go to, um, on a trip. And we, we could go for a week. She was writing a finals, uh, final medical exams. So we went, and when we landed, um, I went over for a church, and they took us over. And when we came back, it was going to be pretty simple because Leanne had the biggest pink bag you've ever seen. So when we actually traveled, it was easy to see Leanne's bag. Oh, you know what I mean? And and you'd never think there'd be another pink bag out there, like this pink bag. And so <laughs> we were in a rush. She had to study. We we were away for seven days, and it was late at night. And she had all her textbooks in this bag because she was actually studying on the trip. And I just grabbed the pink bag, the only pink bag there. And I went home, and Leanne opened it, and you've never heard somebody scream as loud. Um, right throughout the Big Bay area, everyone heard us. She was like, "This is not my bag." You know, what I mean? like you know, and because uh, now she had to study. And luckily, we phoned, we found out. It was quite interesting, actually. Another Christian lady, because 
as she opened, she saw a book, and it was her devotional book and taking notes at church. So we figured it out. But, but I promise you, that would have sucked the life out of Leanne in that stressful moment. But maybe you've had that. Maybe I'm like playing on, on accommodation and bags, but, but I'm actually speaking about something that is way more important, uh, your spiritual health, your marriage. Maybe you're in a place where you're going, I never, um, I, you're not the person I married. I never knew it would be like this. But you've actually maybe asked that person to be God. And you've actually missed that if you're going to build your marriage, it's Jesus first. Jesus wants to fulfill you. You know, people get married and they expect their spouse to do what only Jesus can do. And the most powerful scripture around this um, is actually um, seen in John 4 about somebody who keeps thinking relationships are going to fulfill them. It says this in verse 5, Jesus, speaking about Jesus, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sashar. Did I say that right? Near the plot of ground Jacob had given his sons, uh, sons Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So the woman said, You have nothing to draw with. And the well is, is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself? as did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right. When you say you have no husband, the fact is you have had five husbands and the man you, are, um, you now have is not your husband. What, have you just, uh, what you have just said is quite true. She ends up saying you must be a prophet. Of course, Jesus ends up going to Samaritan town. Of course, Jews don't connect with Samaritans. Uh, they did not get on uh, to speak to a woman. Women were, in a way, the, the, the um, men owned women in those days. So women didn't have a right to connect with other men. Men spoke to men. And then Jesus, of course, asked her for water. But he was trying to speak to her about her deepest need. He was trying to say, yes, you're going to come here and drink water and, and try to be fulfilled, fulfill your thirst. And, and, you, and you've actually done this in your internal world by trying to find fulfillment in relationships. But I will give you something that will truly fulfill you. You might even say to me, oh, um, these men were wrong and you've even given up hoping men. Now you, you, you're not even, you're saying marriage has never worked. Men have never worked. But I'll let you know, you can't ask people to do the work that only God can do. You can't think that you can drink this water and you'll not thirst again. I will give you a water that will satisfy you. 
Human beings can't meet your deepest needs. He was saying to her, but God can. I can meet your deepest needs. Human beings are limited, um, and, and, and even the most spiritual person is going to disappoint you. But I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you come to me, I will fill you, and you'll have rivers of living life. And, and I'll give you bread, and I'll sustain you. Jesus was inviting her. And I want you to see this. This is a person who got it relationally wrong, who built on the wrong foundations. And Jesus takes time to invite her to a new life. You might be so far down the road in your marriage feeling unfulfilled. Jesus would invite you right now to build your marriage on the rock, to get fulfilled by Him and to change the trajectory of your relationship. He'd invite you to see that He's the one who can sustain you. And so when Anne and I got married, by God's grace, we, we learned this and we said this to each other. Babe, I am releasing you from doing what only Jesus can do in my life. And we said it to each other. I can't be God and you can't be God. I'm going to ask God to be our God. And if we're fulfilled by God, then we can bless each other. See, if I'm always asking Leanne to fulfill those deep needs, I'm asking her to play a role. She will fail in every time and she'll do the same to me. And we will become people who resent each other. But we need God to fulfill us. And if you're going to build your marriage on the rock, it starts with a relationship with Jesus. It's all about being fulfilled by, by your relationship with Jesus. It's all about putting Him first. It's all about letting His Word guide your path. Every morning, get into His Word. Um, scripture says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a continuous word. Be filled daily with the Holy Spirit. You need to be full of God. See, see, when you're full of God, you're overflowing, you're generous. But when you're running on empty, you're walking to every scenario in great need. And you're saying, fill me, give me. And I'm not saying we're not responsible to care for each other. But we are responsible to be generous to each other. And the only way to be generous to each other is to be filled by God. Letting Him fill our tank. Letting Him meet our needs. Letting Him give us purpose, identity. Letting Him uh, tell us. Because it says, even if the world rejects you, even if the Scripture says, even if your parents reject you, I accept you. God tells us we're accepted. Before the creation of the earth, Christ was slain. While we were still sinners, Christ gave His best for us. He died just for us. He accepted us. He loves us. He's already told you who you are. Your identity is in Christ. Your purpose is in Christ. You've got great purpose in Christ. You've got all that you need in Christ. Release your spouse and enjoy your relationship. Find your fulfillment in God. Of course, that's how you and I build our our marriage on the rock. I'm going to give you three things that we can do. To, to really um, experience, to really build our, our marriage on the rock. So the first thing is the secret to a strong marriage is two people who love God. A secret to, the secret to a strong marriage is two people who love God, two people who put Him first in their lives. They have the best ingredients for a strong marriage. 
When one partner is passionate about God um, and his purposes and the other isn't, it makes the journey difficult. But Psalm 84 verse 5 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you. Blessed is the couple whose strength is in God. When the strength of your marriage is your commitment to God, you will be strong enough to face any challenge and you can do it together. So two people who love God have got the ingredients for a strong marriage. Two people who live to give God glory have gotten ingredients for a strong marriage. Giving God glory is key. Understanding that God's placed you here on purpose. Two people who have a love for God's house, for His kingdom, they they understand. God is going to ask us one day how we grew His kingdom, how we added value to people, how we loved people around us in our street, in our workplace. And those two people, I promise you, there'll be a coming together. Purpose, living out your purpose is a gift to your marriage. If you've got no purpose in your marriage, when you fight, you'll fight way longer than people who have purpose. I always joke, have you ever found you're going to run a view group and then you have a fight just before view group? Guess what? Those fights are sorted out way quicker because view group's coming. <laughs> if you have a fight on the Saturday night, guess what? Sunday's coming. You better sort it out. <laughs> but when you've got no purpose, you might not talk for two weeks. And the enemy would love you to live a purposeless life full of strife and anger. And I'm not saying we, purpose just overlooks, wipe things under the carpet, but purpose is a blessing to your marriage. And I promise you, Scripture even says, those who are planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish. There's a huge blessing to having purpose. And I always think you and I as parents, if you're a parent, one of the best gifts you give to your children is letting them see you live a life of purpose because it becomes something they can grab hold of. But when you're not living life of purpose, because here's the danger, you start to live a life just for your children and your children actually think that maybe they'll also be happy if they live for their children and you start running on empty, they run on empty and you wonder why the world falls apart. But a life for God blesses your marriage, blesses your children, blesses the people in your workplace, People, couples who have purpose have got the materials. They've got the ingredients for great marriage. And then two people who love each other. So they love God. They love building His kingdom and they love each other. Of course, it seems obvious that it's, the blessed marriage is two people love each other. But here's the key. 1 John 4 verse 9 says, This is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us. His love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love of God for us. Here's the key. We love because He first loved us us. Here's the rule. We love because He first loved us. The secret of love in your marriage is you being loved by God. You need to let God love you. 
You need to let God affirm His love for you. You need to let Him tell you how accepted you are. You need to let Him tell you He made you on purpose for a purpose. He, you need to let Him tell you that you are a child of God. That's your identity. I paid a price for you. You need to let God love you. If you can let God love you, you can love your spouse. You'll overflow in love. The key to a ingredient to a great marriage is people who love each other. But the way they love each other is they let God love them first. And then the love of God, not the human love, the love of God can overflow. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4. Love is patient, love is kind, it is not envy, it does not boast, it's not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in the truth. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. That's a godly love. And you are inviting that love now into your marriage by letting God love you, affirm you, meet your greatest needs, tell you about your... Once you let God love you, you can start to see that kind of love overflow in your marriage. So if you're, if you're single, you're young, let God love you. Fall in love with God. Grow as that person. Live out your purpose. You know, I say people who live out their purpose, they've got a way better chance of meeting other people who are living out their purpose. And if you are living out your purpose, and the only way to meet that person is to stop fulfilling your purpose, guess what? You're fooling yourself. You're not going to fulfill the purpose God has for you. You need to live out your purpose for God. And you're going to meet that guy or that girl along the way. Like I always joke, like a guy's riding his horse. He's fulfilling his purpose. He's going to war. He's charging. And then all of a sudden along the road, there's this amazing girl. Where are you going? I must have fulfilled my purpose. Let's go together. Then the other guy riding his horse, fulfilling his purpose. Hey, who's that girl? I let me stop the horse tied up, climb off. Hey, what are you doing? How's it? He's just walking away from his purpose. Now he somehow thinks that they're going to fulfill the purpose that God has. So if you're young, love God. Live out your purpose. It's the perfect ingredient. If you're married already, let God love you. Let Him affirm the truth about why He made you. And let that love overflow into your marriage. You guys want to close your eyes quickly? Maybe you need to receive God's love. Maybe you've never received His forgiveness. You know, even in this place where we acknowledge that we need Him, it's so powerful because it says, as we confess that we are sinners, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. As we call on His name, Scripture says that He, it says that he saves us. And maybe you need to come and receive His forgiveness and His love and you've never done that. This morning is an opportunity for you to not only receive Him as your Savior, because you can't earn salvation, but you can receive it. But it's also a morning where you ask Him to be first in your life. If that's you. I'd love to lead you in a prayer. If you say, that's me, include me in that prayer, in that confession. Why don't you give me a wave? Say, Andre, I need to come back to God. God bless you. Anyone else? Say, I need to actually receive Jesus, my Savior. I need to ask Him to forgive me of my sins. Anyone else? Give me a wave. Um, say, I need to actually ask Him to come into my life. Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, let's do it together. Jesus, I call on Your name. Save me. I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, 
the Bible says that I'm saved and I'm changed and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen.